0: Manus, e, A, and A, and, A, and A. it's
1: Another episode of what has now obviously become your favorite podcast. If you've made it to episode seven, just a quick little round of applause for you. Um, you know, congrats. Uh, thank you for for staying with us uh, to this point. So now that we got that out of the way, um, I have. Is it episode so you can talk? You're on the show. You I'd like to
2: fuck up your intro.
1: I'd like to introduce my guest today. Um, Max Sorayao. <laughs> We're gonna talk about some really engaging things. Um, this will kind of bring listeners back to episode one, where we actually talk about something uh, a little more hard hitting, something that has a little more meat to it, right? Yeah. So uh, this is this should be episode seven. So we are on episode seven of Banana Land. Should
2: we ask Intern Raka?
1: Intern Raka, who you've met on social media platforms, if you follow us. Uh, if you don't, you should go there. Facebook, or we don't have Facebook. It's for boomers. Um, Twitter and Instagram, you can find us Banana Land Pod. Um, you can find Intern Raka, she's, she's a sweetheart, she's looking out at some bugs right now, she's like, uh, how how, how come I can't eat that bug? Like, she's a little, she's a little doggo. But anyway, um, (laughs) Max, you're here, we're recording live on location, pre-recorded live on location in your shed.
2: El Shed. El Shed. Hello, hello.
1: Alright, so, before we get going, tell me about El Shed. How, what, what is this? Uh, so
2: El Shed is a literal shed that we uh, turned into a bar.
1: Okay. Um, like, what's, like, this is an audio medium, so, oh, yeah, you know, um, maybe you want to <laughs> give the listeners a little more detail. What What do you got going on in here? Like, I'm so, I'm, so I'm so engaged when I'm in here because I feel like to, I see something new every time. There's a lot to look at. Okay. So it's a
2: 12 by 15 shed that from the outside is nondescript and would look like, a you know, your average uh, suburban dad storage shed. Okay. But on the inside, it is a full bar, TV, electric lights, uh, you know, top shelf alcohol, money from other countries, Things we've collected and uh, we built it ourselves in about uh, four
1: hours. Kid's fucking fancy. He's got money from other countries. <laughs> That's <laughs> not my money. It's fucking Grant. Crazy. All right. Um, so this is the, obviously the nicest place I've ever recorded any audio in, which is <laughs> which is really stunning. There's a Wii about four feet to my right. That's I'm a pro, I'm into it. So um, Max is not your average young person. He is a little bit different. I don't like
2: that. You don't like that? No, nah, it's all right. You don't like being different? I'm definitely different.
1: You're definitely different. <laughs> um, so, how it kind of works for Max is he doesn't like, he didn't like go to school. He was like, fuck the establishment. Well, I did go to school. That's well, you the did. You let's, did. Let's
2: backtrack here a little
1: bit. You were like, but you were like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to like go make money right it now. Makes the
2: story even better.
1: All right. So, tell us a little bit about your story and your journey into like the world of like millennial entrepreneurship.
2: So, I was your textbook. Not fuck the establishment. Can I curse on here? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. This this
1: isn't for kids. It's you know? <laughs> better. Obviously.
2: Things. So it was your textbook, not fuck the establishment. I wasn't like a punk growing up, but I skateboarded. I didn't play sports. I played baseball up until the point where I had to and did the whole regular sports thing, and then I skateboarded, so I pushed into that, and that was going to be my life. That was going to be my career. I had no intentions of going to college. I didn't want to do anything that was normal i just wanted to skateboard every day with my friends and i wanted that to be my profession
1: okay you were pretty good
2: i don't want to brag but i was good i really don't (laughs) you were pretty good humble brag you can humble brag it's okay i mean i was good i was probably you know one of the top in the area like there was a chance that if i had got my shit together and maybe moved to the west coast i would have done it but you know i was super anxious super nervous when i was young and I've since got over that, which is showing, again, me sitting here with my friend on a podcast. So
1: you are nervous to be on this podcast. Very nervous. I don't, like, I feel like, I wish the audience members that do regularly listen could be here in this room, because most of them you know, or would know. (laughs) Um, So it's really, like, it's really not a... It's really not a big deal. Yeah. You're not like a nervous guy. You're going around collecting checks all day, talking to these people, coercing them into doing all these wild and crazy things to their homes, and, and you're just like, yeah, this podcast, fucking can't do it. Can't was, do it. But
2: that's all a product of my nervousness.
1: Right. I've, I, you I've, channel I've, it, right?
2: I, I didn't like the person I was, Okay. and I have pushed myself, and that started, so going back, 17 hit, needed to get a car, license, the whole nine, and all of a sudden, oh, I need money so what do i do i try to work a job and i work one day and i absolutely hate it where'd you work I don't
1: know if I can say where. Right. Uh, nondescript name of restaurant. Just restaurant? restaurant. 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 Ice cream shop. Ice cream shop. <laughs> I don't okay. Want to say what happened at the ice cream shop? You don't have to. Nothing you don't bad, have to throw no, anybody no. under the bus. So here's
2: the thing. Nothing bad happened at the ice cream shop. In all seriousness, had nothing to do with who I was working for or the conditions. It was great. I,
1: I guarantee you, the guy was, that owns that ice cream shop is I'm not listening to this. <laughs>
2: I doubt it. <laughs> I was 15, and I just didn't. I again, anti-establishment. Didn't want to work. I just wanted to skateboard. Okay. Right. So I pushed the whole job thing off to the very last second, which was literally. Okay, you bought a car with your savings from your CDs when you you know, you had right. CD accounts or whatever. Do you know what
1: CD stands for? Uh, I, I have no idea but Come I know on, they're like they're like they're like mid-grade return. Morgan, do you know what that is? I don't know,
2: it's not cash in no. them. All
1: right. <laughs> you should you should be our fact checker today. Wait, that's what we Yeah, Morgan's here too. Morgan is um, Morgan is uh, Max's wife. Um She's gonna do some fact checking for us. She's in. a
2: little further away from the microphone. So yeah, she's, right
1: she's over in the corner. We're keeping her. Turning. We're keeping her at bay. Uh, <laughs> um,
2: so anyway, so yeah, I, you know, you buy you buy the first car, and all of a sudden, okay, you need gas to make the car go. So I had to figure something out. And I should say, my first car was not a car. It was actually actually no, technically it was a car that I eventually sold to you. The Toyota Avalon. Yeah, you you did sell it to me. I had that
1: car. car. I did have that car. That lasted
2: for a short amount of time, and then I I ended up getting rid of that and trading up to a truck, which led to my first endeavor as an entrepreneur. Okay. Which was owning a very small but efficient landscaping and lawn cutting.
1: And just to be clear, I took that Toyota Avalon and I stuffed the shit out of a Chevy like Yukon on West Bay Avenue in front of Reynolds Garden Shop. Yeah, the lady was super nice, and the kid got out and he started shouting. And the mom, she was the mom, and she gets out right, and she's banging on the hood of her own car, like yelling at her son who got out and was like being like this ultra aggressive guy. And she was like, "Get back in the car, shut the fuck up." And like she was like, "Are you okay?" She was so nice about it. But that car went right to Car Heaven. Yeah. That's a great car, though. Yeah, That's like a great car. Sitting in a fucking sitting in my living room. Hi. All right.
0: Anyway. Yeah. What's a CD?
1: Certificate of deposit. Yes. You know what I... It's it's actually fucking useless. That's really what they are.
0: Is, it's, a, it's a time deposit, which is a financial product commonly sold by banks, and it has a fixed term and a fixed interest rate. Of course. It sounds like... But it's pretty useless because it makes like $3. It sounds like, $3.
1: Something, it sounds like something my grandma would invest in, and it sounds like that because I know she has a CV. Yeah, yeah she's, she's 90, so she's not even a boomer. She's it's like silent the run. silent generation. Yeah, fucking, they should be more silent. Um, they will be soon. Yeah, yeah, woo uh, We're peaking. Um, anyway, so you acquire this truck. It's a white Ram 1500. Yes, it is. It looks like a white booger. It's got, you know, it's got entrepreneur money machine written all over it. What You you started landscaping. How did that work out for you? It was, uh,
2: it was interesting to start. That was where the whole, so we go to the anxiety now, that's where it peaked. My first day of of the first, I could guess you could say the real, I was still in high school at the time, but the first real job I had to go look at, I was so nervous, I stayed home sick from school. I had scheduled with the people to go at 3 p.m. to look at their job to give them a price on cutting their grass, which, by the way, was going to make me $25 a week. Okay. That's what I was stressed about.
1: 25 I, I bucks a couldn't week.
2: couldn't go to school. I was so nervous.
1: People spend more than $25 a week on, like, subscription services yeah any ambient noise we get man it's it's kind of just whatever You're we're trying. in You're we're trying. in a shed so this is a very special unique situation just gonna
2: try and block it out a
1: little. you've walked away from the microphone oh, and left oh, me to talk to myself I'm Un- unbelievable he's a hell of a guest this is actually the first episode we've had where two people have sat down face to face so um Thanks, COVID. yeah covid covid really took that away from us for a while but uh we're we're safe, right? Come on. Um, so you're homesick from the, for this three o'clock twenty five dollar estimate. Did you get the job? Or I what?
2: did. That was the first lawn I ever got, and then that spiral not spiral that you know translated into spiral. I love it. Uh, I mean, that's <laughs> that's where we're at. Ten years, almost ten years later. Yeah. Um, that transformed into quite a bit of landscaping work. That was really just lawn. It was just to cut their lawn. Right. And then it turned into oh, can you do stone? Can you do, and that's kind of how and you remember that from the early days I do. here and there working with me where. You know, all we would do is like drink Wawa smoothies and work in the hot sun. I remember, which was was terrible. 17 and 18 years old. It was
1: awful. I remember going home and just feeling like total garbage afterwards. Um, Yeah. yeah,
2: um, That's kind of what that turned into. So that was the first one. And by the end of that first summer, I was, you know, cutting probably like 10 to 15 lawns. It kind of blew up pretty quickly and doing some. A week. Yeah, a week. Okay. so you know, for the for the, people, for the
1: uneducated individual who's working their 9 to 5 and isn't really uh keen on how businessy boys work, you're doing that every week.
2: Every week in the in the high season, which is down at, you know in New Jersey with the summer. So, you know, you get like April how,
1: to so how would you learn how to like identify that? April to what? Finish your sentence, April I'm
2: sorry.
1: April to yeah, you're me. yeah, if I April really
2: love to it. Uh, October usually that's okay. why it like kind of knocks off depending on the weather. If you get, if you have a hot fall, it gets you know it gets extended. I've cut grass into November before.
1: All right, so you learned all these these trends and these uh, these times of years from who? Like you just kind of picked up on it, or so
2: a little bit of both, and that's where things get interesting because it's that's where the whole millennial thing kicks in. Because without the internet and without the fact that we are millennials, a lot of what I do would be. Either have been more difficult, I wouldn't have been good, or I wouldn't have succeeded. But also, I think I'm resilient. I think I didn't. I didn't have a choice. I didn't. I. The big thing, and again, this is going back now. The big thing was when I said to my mom when I was, you know, 17 years old, I'm going to start a landscaping company. Not that she didn't believe in me, because don't get me wrong, my mom's a great person. Yeah. But she scoffed at it. Like, yeah, okay, you couldn't even work at an ice cream store for four hours. Right.
1: She didn't. She didn't understand what you were capable of because you you didn't thrive in the traditional workplace environment. And to
2: be honest with you, 10 years later, not that I'm like salty about it but I still hold it over her head a little bit and that's like no fault of It's her. not, a, it, yeah. But like, I, I still kind of like, not hold it over her head, but I, I, I'll still kind of look at like, that's my drive. Well, you
1: gotta take things, you gotta think of it this way too. Like your mom is somebody who's um, who's of a different generation and has like a different like thought process on oh, what, the, what the working individual should be. Absolutely. So like when you were 17, like, when she was 17, her parents probably told her, like, you know, you go to work, and you make money, and you work till 5, and you go home, and that's it. It's
2: great. Well, not only that, but even more so, she's more of the, uh, you know, the, the man is the breadwinner type. Right. So not only did that happen to be the case with my father, which I'm lucky. Like, right. believe me, like, I, I never experienced what, like, daycare was. And I think you have a similar situation. Like Yes. I definitely am, you know, um, if, you, if you, to go with the times, if you use the word privileged, you know, I'm lucky. Right. that that was the case I didn't have to do anything like that I always came home my mom was home and I always right. had a ride if I needed to go somewhere so definitely like that was in my favor for sure but just even more so like I grew up with that whole she was the you know she stayed at home so right. to, it was like you know it's just a different sure, mindset Her
1: expectation was a little different but you you were always going to do some some other shit
2: I was yeah it's funny it's been like the reoccurring thing and it's odd to talk about it like out and out like out loud about it yeah. other than to like when I talk to Morgan about it or me and you talk about it during the day but like. I, that is my draw. I don't like being... I like to be
1: different. I know you I like, like when people noise. tell you you can't do shit because then you're like, oh, well, okay, well, I'm going to go do that 15 times, just gonna, you know? just going to say, tell
2: me I can't, I'll
1: do it fucking twice. Like, he, my favorite thing, like, Max, um, so on previous episodes, you know that I'm a professional gas attendant. Um, I've actually left behind my days at the WA um, because Max has so graciously gainfully employed me in between episodes of Banana Land and until we create this media empire. Um so I work for him now, so we get to hang out and we get to do all this all this great um this great work together every day. Every single day. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty sick. So there's an update we haven't on it. Right. We haven't even gotten yeah, that. I didn't want even... to give it away. I didn't want to give it away. We're not even close to that. So um you're doing landscaping. You're doing lawn. You're doing stone. I remember, I remember working at um, The Kazubas doing the fencing oh, wow. and the stone there. Shouts to the Kazubas. That yeah, that was a wild time. Um, and then you do what?
2: I'm uh, blanking out. A, a portion of my life. What
1: you what you do after you cut grass? Wait, so it's
2: a portion of your life. Ah. That
1: is why. So well, we don't have to go into well, the no, part no, no. you don't like, but like no,
2: no, no, you're thinking of a different portion. Of I am I know, thinking of like, a different portion. This part. is past that. Uh, so just, you know, it yeah. happens. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I end up uh, rekindling a fl- an old flame, if you will. That was the most boomer thing that you're ever. Who you're down, married? You, the flame. The flame sitting. The flame we're, we're now here. Married to. Okay. Who we've been together for. A so very it So It
1: time. worked out. Okay. Of
2: course. Yeah. yeah. But I uh, ended up rekindling that flame, and long story short. Followed my now wife up to North Jersey, where she was going to going to school for speech language pathology. This is
1: my favorite part of your little biopic audio edition is your time uh, in college because we have an episode about higher education um, that if you listened into, we seem like we're really into it. And now you're gonna get the other side of the coin, kind of with Max, but but only in the best way. So you go up north. You're you're doing college. What so, are you doing? So
2: Morgan's going to college at uh you know I hate to say this but a real university like where you went. She's a, she went to William <sighs> Patterson University yeah. up in Wayne, New Jersey. Okay. And I follow her up there. Decide to start working with my uncle. Most of my family lives in North Jersey, so I figure, okay, I will go up there with her. I'll work just so we can be together, so we're not like obscenely far apart. Right. Because it's just not that that's obscene. Like a two-hour
1: drive to go hang out and have dinner. But obviously,
2: both of us felt that you know, like we liked each other, and not to where we didn't want to be apart. Like most couples when they go to college, they're like, okay, bye, right. And then most of them break up. It's that quick little college relationship, and it's over. So like that obviously wasn't the case. So I went up there, and I'm probably annoying at first. That probably Morgan probably didn't want me there. I think Morgan was a little like I think it took her a little while to realize that like I
1: think it takes any time it gets takes time for any like two people who want to live together time to like adjust to living together. Yes, but it was you know? especially
2: hard because that first semester, like Morgan was in a dorm. I was living like a couple days a week like with my aunt and I'd sleep at the uh, dorm a couple okay. days a week. And it was just it was a nightmare. Dorm
1: life is Garbage. I literally
2: she was crashed. So, so bad. bad. Crashed. She was one. It was one semester, and then we got an apartment. But literally, it crashed her dorm with her roommate, who was a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I started working with my uncle, who was in construction. Okay. Um, he is a retired police officer, and he's been in construction his whole life on the side because that's what most cops do. So I started working with him, and I decided at that point. I wanted to go to college, and I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be a cop because that's in my family right. quite a
1: bit. You have a long line of, of officers, yes. law enforcement, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's
2: what I wanted to do. So I decided to go to the local community college up there, which is Byrne Community College (BCC). And uh, yeah, that's what I did. So I enrolled and literally had the community college experience without the feeling of it being 13th and 14th grade. Okay. Because it didn't. Because you didn't I have didn't, to see any people in high school.
1: Anybody. Thirteenth and fourteenth grade. That was the best. It was an
2: interesting way, and like the way, <laughs> the way we talked. We were just talking about how, like, we were joking before we started recording about the whole like intro thing. And I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be like the first day of college." That's what it was like. Yeah. I sat there and introduced myself and had to explain why i now live in bergen county but i grew up in manahawken near the beach
1: right why, so, what the fuck are you doing in that beautiful town coming up here to this treacherous bergen county town. to uh to get your education i'm a real south jersey guy i don't know if you know yeah, this you're name, 609. But, yeah i'm a real so, 609, i'm a real 609er you know but so, uh yeah
2: so that's kind of where um that things took a weird turn because i basically went to college and got a one course shy as we sit here right now why didn't
1: you go back to finish your goddamn degree one course shy
2: well you said i'm going to give you the absolute worst version of the higher education yeah go ahead cause it's a fucking waste of time
1: okay all right. I'll just be honest well considering especially considering what you do now it just doesn't make sense to go back
2: it doesn't make sense for me to go back But I like to, you know, I'm a bit of an extremist when it comes to certain things. I do. So I will take the stance of even saying that the majority of people, it's a waste of
1: time. So you're like, you're more of the standpoint of like, um, like an Elon type, uh, where he believes that like anything can be learned. Absolutely. And uh, college is really just for like, you can do chores, you can show up on time.
2: Exactly. It's this whole social construct is not the right word but it's this whole idea that you need to force people our age millennials to learn how to be real adults it's like no fucking go into the world and I'm going to get real angry I can't wait I can't wait (laughs)
1: we're going to we're going to peak and I can't wait
2: go into the world I'm fucking
1: you're falling, you're falling down. It's hot. Sorry. I know. You're good.
2: Um, go into the world and learn a skill. That's what I did. Okay. And I'm not saying you have to be a construction worker. Right. Of if course If you not. want to work in software, I promise you, you don't need four years of college to do it. No. There's a lot of fluff in there.
1: The first people, the first, you know, Silicon Valley wasn't started by guys who had master's no, degrees. No, it wasn't. You know, that's just it not wasn't. how it works. And
2: I'm not saying that college is all bad. I will, I'll, I'll go back a little bit. Like, there are certain things you need college for. Like, you need it. You Not like, oh, you you
1: need the surgery. You want to be like a doctor. doctor. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, I studied all the the books about anatomy, and um, I'm going to cut this guy's chest open tomorrow. (laughs) Like, you know, that's not – we're not doing that. But you definitely do need it for something. I think a lot of what, like, the downside to higher ed is, too, is um, it gives, like, this very cushioned, safe zone for kids who are afraid or have anxiety to go out into the world because – of whatever reason, maybe they were sheltered as a kid or whatever whatever it is, it gives them the opportunity to kind of play play house where they can they can live in this little bubble where it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to class today. And some kids aren't like that. Some kids go to college and they grab it by the balls and they say, "Okay, like I'm going to be involved in every single thing. I'm going to be a, a student senator. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that." And I know people that have done that too, but, but um.
2: And those are the kids generally that are the ones that graduated in three years with a bachelor's
1: degree. Uh, yeah, those are the kids who typically graduated early from high school, <laughs> exactly. who went to college, and you you see their pictures on Instagram and have. No idea what they're talking about when they talk about what they do for a living.
2: So, yeah, so I'm very, like, angry. Not angry. I don't. don't uh, frustrated, I think, frustrated is a good word. Frustrated with the whole, the whole system. I think, I think a lot of people are. So you're, are, you're in a I safe you're, boat. But I think you're self included. I, I agree.
1: I'm a guy who fucking went to school for communications that worked a year in field and is doing a podcast in a shed right now, you know? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No.
2: But yeah, so I I don't again, and I, I I'm not hating on people who have college degrees. My wife has one. Right. My wife has a master's degree. Right. And she is, you know, she has a good job. Right. She hates it. Well. <laughs> but well, we'll get to that later. Right. Um. So yeah, go ahead. We're, we're
1: building. Ahead. We're building. We are. We're getting there. All right. So you, you went forward. You started doing more and more. You're you're in college. You leave college. All right. We're backtracking way too far. Um. No. You're you're you're. So what happened, dude? So one I... one one fucking course short. That's like it's like doing a painting and forgetting to like do the pupils in the eyes, you know. It's like what the fuck. That's good. That's like you know. I like that. Is that right? a metaphor or something? I don't know. I'm I'm not a poet. I don't, know. I don't have a college degree. I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. I went. I I can write, but I don't know what those words mean. <laughs> They're hard sometimes. You know? So
2: yeah, we'll, we'll get through this whole college sector real quick. Yeah. So it was all about timing. The timing was right. We were we were coming home for the summers anyway. We were living up there in the winters and through the you know through the two the fall and then the. That
1: winter. must have been sweet to fucking live in snowy New Jersey in Bergen County. So good. Must've been sick. You have no idea. Oh, I fucking must've loved it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was like the last time like we've seen like real snow. That's a crazy thing up right? there. Yeah. yeah, like we haven't had snow like real snow here in years. So what'd
1: we've you do? Seen. What'd you do after you came back though? Like to, so, to Mount Hawkins? Honestly,
2: I'm like I'm drawing a little bit of a blank, but I do know that there was just like a. There was it was just timing where it started to make sense where Morgan where there was no reason to live up there It was costing money to live up there. My parents were helping us out the best they could with right. things like groceries and stuff. Like it was just like it was stupid to stay up there, especially once I had made the decision that I was pretty much done with school. Sure. And and again like we moved back down here and Morgan commuted her last two and a half years. Four years
1: four years commuting. Four years. Okay, it was that's four That's a long years, time right. to commute to Bergen County. It was. So right. what happened to Cop Dreams? That disappeared for you? You just didn't make sense? Not
2: that we need to touch on what's going on currently because sure. I think it's over. It's just everyone's talking about it right now yeah. and that's the last thing you to talk about on a podcast called Panadaline. Yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was just kind of the beginnings of the, before it got to the point where it was obvious what was going on, where there are actually bad cops that are killing people for no reason and just things kind of being ugly, it was when the tune just turned to where it was like, the beginning of the whole cancel culture thing and it got ugly to the point where, like, if you supported cops, you were a you know, right. piece of shit. And and that's kind of what changed my mind. And believe it or not, my own father talked me out of it. Not completely. Like Again, if I wanted to, I would have. Sure. But it also, I think it was a little bit of myself, the whole, like, what I said earlier. Like, I was always, I was a skateboarder. Skateboarders hate cops. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I was like, I'll be a cop. Which happens a lot. Right. There are a lot of skateboarders there's that turn a, into there's cops. There's a lot
1: of people who do there's a lot there. of things who turn into, a, to who turn into a, like, lawyers and yep. cops and all these, exactly. d- and doctors. Exactly. And, like, the kid that was, like, smoking weed under the bleachers in high school is... Is, you know amputating somebody's leg tomorrow and it's like well how the fuck did that happen you never so, know yeah, um, but yeah
2: so it was just kind of it was that it was a combination of a couple things and it just kind of died literally like i don't really so
1: like when when did all right that died when did your entrepreneurial mindset kind of take over so
2: what the whole this whole Three, four, three-year span, we were just talking about, two and a two-and-a-half-year span, we were just talking about living up there. I was working with my uncle and learning everything to do and everything not to do in the world of being a business owner.
1: So not only were you in college to get an education to be in law enforcement, but you were also gaining that education working yes. while going to school. So really just a fucking double clap of of knowledge. knowledge. Yes. Love it.
2: Yes, and and again, I say it and I joke about it, but I was learning what to do and what not not to do. do. Exactly. I love my uncle. He's a great guy, and he's a good businessman to a degree. He's also a psycho.
1: Anybody's definition of good businessman is what they feel it is. Exactly. You know?
2: And, and, you know, he made money. Sure. And it was a second career for him, essentially, and whatever. But, you know, you you learn the ins and outs, and then you see – you know, like anything, and I, I say this to this day, there's always more to learn. I'm never shut
1: on... I feel like that's, like, the best mindset to have. If Whether, like, no matter what your background is, like, if you want to go into a position somewhere... Like, I was in a job interview one time. We're going to go on a little rabbit trail. I was... I, was uh, I went into a job interview once, and I've been on more job interviews than I have pairs of underwear um, a lot. Um, <laughs> they asked me, like, well, what do you know? And the answer I give is always some... I feel like it's always, like, too high-minded... Because I'm really not like a real high-minded guy. I like kind of like joking around sitting back and having a good time. But like I, when I sit down for like professional interviews, um, I give them the answer like, well, what do I know? Uh, I'm still learning everything I need to know to be the best that I can be. Absolutely. So I know this much, but I'm not afraid to tell you I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like – to some people, that is a valuable answer, but to others – um maybe they see that as like a point of weakness so it's uh it's an interesting thing to to admit that to your peers and then ask them for money so it's it can get a little hairy
2: Definitely can Yeah but I think that's a good, like you said. I think that's a great mindset, and that's something to not live by, but it's just a no be kind no, no matter what career you're in. Right, like it, whether you are working for yourself no. or you work in a job where you sit behind a computer. If there's like,
1: an easier way to shovel shit, you're gonna want to learn how to do it. Absolutely. you know, no matter what it is,
2: more efficient, easier, whatever, you, exactly. whatever it is you want.
1: Especially you if you're learn. shoveling shit. Uh, yeah. We do a lot of that. We do We do some, we, we touch some poop sometimes, you know? It just comes with the comes with the work we do, which we're getting to. Don't worry. If you're still listening, you're hanging in there.
2: So, yeah, that was kind of the shift there. Um, I think we, we kind of, I learned enough up there. We came back to living down here. We were, you know, we bounced between our parents' houses down here in Manahawk, and, and Morgan commuted, and I, you know, I had to find something to do. At that point, I was, you know, anywhere between. So you're like days. back
1: at 17 again.
2: Essentially, but I was anywhere between the ages of you know twenty and twenty two at that point. It was kind of a two year span from thinking back correctly. So, you know, I I, living with parents back to kind of doing our own thing, and we had I had to figure something out, and that was essentially start working again.
1: uh, You're gonna take all the knowledge you have from working with your uncle, and rather than rather than take all the knowledge from school, which I'm sure was valuable in its own way, you're gonna take the value of the knowledge that you learned from working. And put that to work for you.
0: Exactly. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The first thing you did was start his kitchen.
2: Yeah, I think it was.
1: So what was the first? What was the first job when you came back where it was like, okay, Max just finished doing, you know, two and a half years worth of construction work with his uncle. How did you transition that, being a laborer and and learning from him to being business owner that like you do your own shit.
2: I got thrown right into, and this is usually how it starts. This is always this is always the, the catalyst to, like, any time I've been slow, because I've had a lot of those, like, busy summers, slow winters, you know, even, like, commuting a little bit with Morgan. Sometimes I would come up with Morgan, and I right. would kind of just, like, do some paperwork in, like, the local Starbucks up there. Like, there, were, there was a lot of that over the last few years of her being in college. And the catalyst is usually somebody you know that reaches out to you over the slow season that says, hey, I'm getting ready to do this. At this point, when I was, again, this is going back almost six years ago now, five, six years ago, it was Morgan's aunt, my wife's aunt, that was like, hey, I have two bathrooms that need to be redone. I want you to do them. Let's go. And that was kind of like the first big job that was on my own. Okay. Was, you
1: know, and that's how the entrepreneur thing started. That's
2: kind of how I. That's kind of I guess what lit the fire to a
1: degree. Right. Because like, once I mean, you start, once you start, I feel like once you start doing construction and once you start in like that like home remodeling world, because I've worked for other people besides you, and uh, who people who were a little older, like when I worked for Dave, mm-hmm. uh, he was like in his thirties when he started, yeah. and his drive. This is why this is while you were away. But like his drive to do it was so high. And like I see that now in you, but in good ways, because that guy was just a giant dick and balls, and he just didn't. He like like oh yeah, dude, you worked seventeen hours today. Well, we're gonna stop at three more jobs. I got an estimate to do real quick, and then I'll take you home. And I was like seventeen, so like I was like oh this (laughs) yikes. Um,
2: When when you see that when you're seventeen, you go fuck this.
1: And dude, I it's crazy. You say that, but it's crazy because when I started going to school, he was doing things like that and my whole um, my whole image of trades in general. labor anything with labor changed. I felt like I had a chip on my shoulder because I went to school. So I went to college. Like, I don't have to fucking swing hammers. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do that. I went to fucking college. I'm, I can get a job anywhere because I have a bachelor's degree. Or I haven't. When I was like that, I was still at OCC. I was still doing community school. So it was like, well, I'm not ever going to fucking do construction again. That's yeah. not That's not going to happen with assholes like that running around. I'm better than that. Yep. And then you kind of get brought back down to reality, like, after you kind of live life a little bit. But, um, But once you get that money, once you start with that money that's like – like, you did an estimate today, and people gave you, ca- gave you money. An obscene amount. An obscene amount of money in, in on a check, and it's like, okay, like, this is my money now. That
2: shit still doesn't feel real.
1: Right, it's like fake like, when somebody hands you, like...
2: I was looking at that check before, and I was... I, I, won't, I won't say the amount, I'm not going to humble no. brag again, but, like, it's like, I was looking at that check, and I was like,
1: really? Yeah.
2: Are you sure you want to hand this to
1: people me? People pay lots of money. To have things done to their house. And that
2: boggles my mind right. because because I'm the one who does it. Right. I don't understand why you'd ever right. pay someone. People, but I understand that that's right. like a catch-22.
1: Oh, someone's handing me this much to do – thousands of dollars to do this? Well, it seems so – because it seems so menial to you because like, I know cause you, you know about it.
2: I know what it costs. I know how much right. it takes. But then at the same time – You're, you're like, like, oh, I'll do that
1: real quick. Whip, whip, whip. Done.
2: Exactly. But to go the other way, it's like that's – you have to look back. The, the five years we just talked about was painstaking and – I hated every second of it, and I learned how to be really good and efficient. Right. And that comes with the whole argument of when you, you know, people love, oh, that was quick. Yeah, it was quick. You want to know why? Because the last 10 years of my life were spent making it as quick as I could.
1: And it's like any other profession, and I like to compare it to, like, athletics, because it's like, the best football player doesn't just roll out of bed and fucking catch balls behind their back. They have to go out on the field every day for five hours, ten hours, whatever, whatever time they feel to you know, hone that craft and doing, doing construction and doing like home, like, um, like finish work, especially like in bathrooms and in, Kitchens and things like that. People are living their whole lives in these houses, and they're gonna look at what you do every single day. Yeah. So it's more impactful than just all right, just slap that fucking paint on there. Maybe we'll get some tiles over here. This color looks all right. Ah, fuck it. Like it's more than that because these people live in these houses all, all for the rest of their lives.
2: And anyway. that's something I've been more mindful to as I've gotten better at this, and then just the more money that comes in, you have to be more. Money. It's not just oh go get the like you just said, slap the tile. oh, go get the tile right. from Home Depot, go get this cheap whatever. It's that. not always
1: like bottom line. You have to you be, have to be a tenant you
2: start, You start charging the higher prices, and you get into that range where, like, you're actually really good at what you do, and you're sought after. You have to be willing to say, "Okay, I have to care about this. I have to treat this like it's my own."
1: So the money comes, the entrepreneur thing. Let's
2: not say the money yet.
1: Some money comes. You start.
2: It was very limited in the beginning. Okay. Because you have to remember, like, what I'm talking about is still between Morgan being in school. Like this was still like heavily based on summers. And winters got very strange for a little while. Okay. Like I said, there were some there was some commuting where I'd go up with it. Like, so go ahead though. So that starts to happen. So you
1: start it's it happens for you. You start, you're rolling, you're making some money, you go to work, you work in for yourself, then you go to work for Toll Brothers. Yes. Okay. Toll Brothers is like working for your uncle Part Two Electric Boogaloo, where <laughs> you're gonna learn, you're gonna learn again things you already know. And you hated that. So we don't have to like focus on like well, no, the shit you hated, but you learned shit from that well, job. We can
2: we can though because that was a big learning experience. And okay. that is that is precisely what is trans actually, all right, hold on. I'm gonna fuck everything up here. Let's backtrack a little bit. <laughs> so Morgan's still in college, we're having it. Well, I'm having a couple of good summers. And I think it was her senior year. The year
0: the summer of Dex.
1: The Summer of Dicks. No, no.
2: Decks. decks. Oh, decks. shit. Summer of <laughs> Decks. Summer of Dicks is a whole different... We won't get that yeah, episode. after
1: another episode. That's a whole other episode, actually.
2: <laughs> no, that's not even... i was not not even going to go that far. Because that, that is a good summer. We had a summer where we just... We, we built a lot of decks. Was that the
1: deck we built where um, that lady yes. had that dog that just shit all no, over? No, 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 no. That was a different time. That was a different that time. Was,
2: that was, that,
1: that's tough too. That that's, was, a, that's a good one. Oh, I, I can still smell that smell in my nose oh my right now. Yeah, I smelled it today. When yeah, when I when mind. I farted out a ten count, it was incredible.
2: <laughs>
1: I hope nobody ever listens Things to this. Things that you will admit on a podcast.
2: <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that's a different summer. We had a, that was like one great summer, and we had a, we we had just we hustled. We made a lot of money, and that was kind of where we saw like that was another like good return. Right, like, I saw like the potential to hold on. I made. And the great Morgan was working in a restaurant in the summers when she wasn't in school, and she would go waitress and on Long Beach Island, and she would make, you know, decent money yeah. for, the, for being it's, it's 19, no joke. 20, 21 years old. It's no joke but it being was, in but, food service. But, down like, there. compared to what we were making, where we, we were hustling during the day, and we'd wrap up a deck job, and someone would write a $5,000 check. Yeah. Like, that's a big day. De- it was like, wait, that, that was a week's worth of work. For five grand. It's like, that's where my eyes started to open right. more to this. But still, we had a summer where it was in like the May area and I got this big job and I worked for someone. And I, again, not going to say any names, not that it really matters. I already mattered. said who it was. No, no, no. Oh, somebody this else. A completely different one. Oh, wow. I worked for someone and it was a big job. They were flipping a house and things went very, you might not even know the story. I probably I'll don't. I'll tell you when we're not I don't, I don't think I do. Things went very south and it went south right as I was at the wits end of being a business owner. Right. So this is where the Toll Brothers thing comes in. Okay. I was done. I was in Miami for a wedding when I spoke with the guy who I were, ended up working with for almost three years. And I said, "When I get back, I'm going full time. I'm done. I don't want to. I don't want to do my own thing anymore." Now, keep in mind, I kept, I owned my own business still. I still had an LLC. I still paid taxes. What's an
1: LLC? Explain so it.
2: LLC is a limited liability corporation. Explain it real it It's the most basic. Form of owning your own business. Okay. You can LLC just about anything as long as it's not already taken up. You could LLC your own name. In fact, a lot of people do that to, to flip houses in real estate. They'll so, LLC
1: like, this any- could be like Banana Land LLC yeah, the podcast.
2: If that is not llc when you search it on New Jersey's website, you can LLC.
1: So like, let's dumb, let's dumb something down real quick before we keep going. Like, if you wanted to start a business as, like, Sally Joe, Sally Joe Susan's uh, florist company. Um, it's probably a real florist it's company. It's probably a real co- florist company. No free ads. Um, Sally <laughs> just uses a fl- uh, florist company. <laughs> um, LLC. What's an LLC cost? It's a $120 it's 100. charge on LegalZoom.com, <laughs> LegalZoom. and you can do it from your fucking cell well, you don't phone. You
2: need to do it on legal. You right. Can, you can literally... I've never done right. it on you can just, would, you just. It's done in two seconds. I just second. go to the state's website and you sign all the stuff yourself. And basically what it's doing is it's protecting you now as no longer an individual. You're protected as a business. So that means if you were doing business as, like you said, Sally Joe, whatever, and someone came in and didn't like your flowers and they wanted to sue you and they said, fuck you, I'm taking you to court. They cannot sue you for your personal belongings. Thank God. They can God. only sue you for what the business so what, But if you don't do that and there's a lot of in and outs that we don't need to get into, right. things can get hairy.
1: Right. So instead of like instead of like fucking stealing my stealing my house away from me they can't do they that. can't do like, that like
2: literally in a court of law they legally cannot do that oh, well, so that's the point of LLC so I still maintained a limited liability corporation I still um, you know still uh, I'm,
1: I'm losing, you were doing side, side. you were doing side work you exactly. were working for like, toll
2: and I was still so but that's what I'm saying so like I still had to do the whole businessy thing I still had to pay my own tax. like my taxes weren't withheld at the end of the year I owed right. you taxes, owed money every so year I had to money right. I still had to you know, I register for sales tax even though This like, is
1: like nightmare fuel for some people who might be listening who are like, Yeah, I just left my sales job at my desk and like ha oh, they withhold all my taxes and I'm very safe in my little bubble. Absolutely. And like like it can be fucking anxiety inducing just to hear people talk about like, Yeah, you know, I made uh I made a hundred thousand dollars in my business this year and I owe the fucking government like thirty grand. And then it's like it's like, oh shit, like some people are making thirty grand and that's like they're making thirty grand. Yeah. Some people are paying taxes on thirty grand. And that happens. Or, yeah.
0: yeah, crazy. Absolutely. Can I interject like that? Sure. Yeah. So, like, you're saying that's nightmare fuel. That for entrepreneurs, I feel like nightmare fuel is the idea of having to rely on a four hundred one k or Social Security by the time that they're sixty five and think that that's going to handle their living expenses for the rest of their life. It is.
1: It's. It's. You flip the script where where the entrepreneur says. You know the nine to five the 401k that's not enough for me i'm gonna fucking make as much money as i can i'm gonna retire on my own terms exactly right
2: and and, and that's kind of like morgan just said like that is the go the opposite way that's a nightmare
1: field. well the motivation isn't just to retire though i don't want i don't want anybody to get the wrong idea where it's like oh yeah i don't need a 401k to retire that's that's the best example because that's like the most structured part of any job like if you go into a union you know you're talking about doing labor you know if you go into a, a trade union. And it's like okay, like great, like when I turn sixty-five, I hit the clock, I hit the, the clock out, and I, that's it for me. Like this is this is what I get. Like, and that
2: works for some. And that,
1: for some people, they're very happy doing that. And for other people, they're like, well, no, there's more to life than than me. Absolutely. Just working toward that that pension or whatever whatever their situation
2: yeah. is. So anyway, so we're getting way off topic. Yeah, we wrong. are. So I maintained that through this whole time, but I went to go work for a company who was a subcontractor of a really big builder. So you may not, they're publicly traded, Toll Brothers. Um, they're Big builder over here in, in Jersey, you know? Well, they're one of the biggest in the country, yeah. honestly. They they build in like 33 states. So, wow, you're drinking a bottle cap. That was wild. It's
1: delicious. delicious.
2: Um, so, I went to work for them, and we did punchless stuff. So, this is where you can't, like you said before, this is part two of going to work with your uncle and learning. It wasn't even learning. It was more or less just learning the craziness of that world, because that's the production world. That was where they build you a house in six months, um, it wasn't like the whole. Oh, you need a bathroom redone? Okay, your timeline's gonna be you know three to four weeks and whatever. You know we get it done and it's small business. But this was the they're building half a million dollar houses for these people and it's just
1: they're like building home. communities of homes. Literally communities. So it's no, it's no like shrimp dick shit. You're out here yes. building big Bigums. <laughs> big I love
2: big-ums. I love it. Um. So yeah. So that's kind of what I did that. And again, so fast forward back to the whole me being a Miami thing. That was where I finally had enough of the business. And I always give this example, the chasing people for money. And that is the biggest thing you will hear in the construction company world, where you're you're always chasing people for money. And it is the truth to a degree. But what I'm noticing now and this time around is a little bit different. When you're more, I don't want to say more legitimate. The bigger you get, the more legitimate and real clients you get. And you're not just dealing with the average, oh, you know, I have $500 to spend. Can you come paint one room? You're dealing with people who have money set aside for projects right. that are really willing to pay you. That are good people, they're, and the more and the longer you do it, you can sniff out the people that are going right. to cause a problem. They're
1: invested in the result of the project as they're invested in you doing the project, exactly. which is something that's important for, like, it's important for homeowners or business owners who want a contractor or uh, somebody to come in and say. You know this is what I the work I need done. They need to give a fuck about who shows up to do their work because they should give a fuck about what it's gonna look like exactly. And if it means paying a little more,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're gonna pay more because you you know, Jim Bob down the road, maybe he don't do it as good.
2: And this is something that I, I, I'm gonna say I say this all the time. I don't actually ever say this, but I believe this to be 100% true. The more the deeper I get into this world, clients, uh, customers should always vet their who they're hiring. Whether oh it's sure, a contractor or a painter or whatever it may be. But contractors need to also vet their clients.
0: For
1: sure.
2: You need to, you know, you don't need to do a background check. I wish I could, <laughs> you. But you don't need to, you know, you just need to kind of feel them out. And you, add, there's certain types of questions you can ask someone that you can get a feel. And don't get me wrong, I still do it now. You've been with me. Yeah. They'll take jobs that I never would really take in a million years if right. I had all big jobs. You take them because they pay the bills. Right. And those end up being the ones that are
1: the And you're essentially stops. interviewing your customer when That's you terrible. go in to do an estimate. Absolutely. There's a lot of it, a lot that goes into it. Like, again, for the people who have the nine-to-fives, like, maybe your job as a nine-to-fiver is, you know, you're an HR rep. You're a hiring manager, you know? And um, your job is only to interview people. As somebody who owns their own business, you're going to <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's throw up. Um, you're gonna you're gonna hire you're gonna hire fire interview your customers interview your employees, keep track of um your progress keep track of bills pay taxes. It's a lot of fucking work. Oh, but that's sure. why you can at the end of a week go cash a five thousand dollar check for a deck because you you worked fifteen different positions. Of course, right.
2: And that's I could go on for hours about that, but I won't. But that's why when people say You know, not saying, but, you know, some people say, oh, you know, oh, you were too much or the other guy was half away. Okay, well, the other guy is still running a much smaller business. Maybe the other guy's not insured.
1: And you know why people say that shit, too, is because, like, we live in – we've talked – I talked about this on another episode. There's so many people in this area that do own their own businesses and do contracting and do landscaping and do things like that. It's like – it's almost, like, played out where, like, it gives everybody else such a bad rap if you walk in – if you walk in with your own business, Max, and, you know, somebody else had been there three hours before, customer got another estimate, and that guy was an asshole, like, that stereotype follows, and they're going to assume that you're going to walk in and be just like the last guy. Yeah. Which is which is fucked up for any, any profession where people are fucking being lazy and not, you know, doing the right thing for, like, the community of people that are making money doing
2: this which is where the joke that me and you have often which i know you wanted to touch on
1: my favorite joke ever you love it so much well you know max is really good at this and he makes a lot of money but he's he's pretty good for a young guy you know he's pretty good (laughs) he 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 gets things done for a guy who's you know who's who's not you know a 75 year old fat guy who's smoking a stogie walking out of his truck to give you an estimate and
2: that's the that's the problem precisely right right there there are a lot of stereotypes that go with this business and a lot of them are true Right. But that's where it becomes difficult, especially as the millennial, to break the stereotype.
1: So fast forward me to like what you're doing now.
2: So I ended up last August, so just shy of a year ago, I got a couple of jobs that came in where... You when, left Toll. Well, we were talking, so I'm talking side work. Right. I hadn't left Toll yet. Oh, okay. I was there for almost two and a half years. I dealt with that bullshit. We could do a whole separate oh, podcast. Just on Toll. Which we should probably do one day, because that would be very funny.
1: I'm sure they wouldn't sue I have, me.
2: I have stories that they wouldn't sue me. I'm sure they would. Bob, Bob told us. Okay. You wanna know why? He's in the ground. Oh! He died. oh don't
1: know. He was probably a I actually
2: don't know if that's true. It's more true. To make that you know, joke. maybe
1: by the time this episode comes out, that guy'll be dead. There's a good chance. Yeah.
2: Okay, so I uh, I got a couple jobs that came in where I kind of pushed. Um, I started pushing work off, like with my normal job, which, as much as it was a.
1: So the side work became real work, and the real work became a fucking inconvenience. Exactly. That's the
2: best way I've ever heard that point, yeah. because that's exactly what it was. And basically, I, I reached out to my quote unquote boss, who was really just a friend of my father's that owned this big construction company right. I was working for as a subcontractor. And I said, hey, uh, how hard how hard are you going to be if I if I tell you I got I got to be done in like a few weeks? And he right. said. You just tell me what date right. I get it. He's always, and he was great. Like I'll never any shit. He was always good. It wasn't him. It was, it was he the, didn't work. The for people all. above it was, him. It was all not even above him. It was just the people that paid hey, him, him that we had to you know basically suck their dicks because right. we they paid us and right. they paid us a lot of money to do what we did. And I know. He made yeah. a stupid amount of money on me, and I made decent money doing it. Right. Really?
1: But and that's how you got your start doing what you're doing now.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it just it it basically just transitioned from one thing to the next, and it just blew up and. Zero advertising. That's the biggest thing that I always talk about. That's
1: the craziest shit I ever experienced. Like as somebody who went to school for um, for media and for some marketing and for some PR, like um, when I worked when I worked in field, um, the biggest thing was advertising. We thrived. The company had to have it. Where you know, car dealerships and this and that and the other would would uh, this and that and the third would uh, in third? would uh, <laughs> would come and would come and want to advertise and. Um, the fact that contractors and carpenters and painters and these folks who own their own businesses can generate business from solely word of mouth is absolutely unbelievable. And I was talking to, um, we had Seth with us today. He's one of our helpers. Well, one of one of Max's helpers, and uh, <laughs> there, I'm yeah. one of Max's helpers. But um,
2: soon you will be considered in the hour.
1: Can't wait. Um, he said it where he was like, well, Max is really busy. And I was like, yeah, dude, Lady Up the Road's got him, and my, my girlfriend's parents got him, and this one's got him, and that one's got him. And not one time was it like, yeah, you know, somebody called Max out of the classifieds and said, you know, uh, he, he seems like he's a decent contractor. We're going to have the young guy over.
0: <laughs> so, I should start advertising that way. That'd be something. So to go back to uh,
1: episode one of Banana Yeah, Morgan actually listens to the episodes. <laughs> um,
0: where you guys went on a tangent about talking about the butterfly effect.
1: You know, the Mandela effect and well, the butterfly yeah, effect.
0: but you started talking about the butterfly There's a effect. Fucking
1: butterfly had in Max, here right now.
0: Had Max not worked at Toll Brothers, him getting this big push and all these big jobs that has now become such a big part of the construction company that he has, it it, it would never would have happened.
1: Right. Everything happens for a reason. Like, as miserable as a fucking guy I can be sometimes, like, I know, like, the stupid shit that's happened to me is for a reason. Just like the good shit that happens, you know, when things go right. But, like, having to work at Toll Brothers and having to slave away was worth it because it gave you the opportunity to have the side jobs, to have the stability, to save money, to be able to say, okay, well, you know what, I'm confident in myself through these experiences to go and do the shit on my own. Absolutely. So you do that. You Absolutely. go. You're on your own. And the
2: biggest, let me just touch on something real quick there. And this... Again, not that I, not that there's necessarily like a million people listening to this podcast that are aspiring to be entrepreneurs, but just to say it, the biggest thing with We're me – We're going
1: to get to that too.
2: Sure. The biggest thing with me and pushing through the second time and feeling comfortable – because now you have to remember, last August, I was a new homeowner. I now had a house and I had a wife that did not have a job yet. So right. for me to, like, I, it sounds all fun and games when we're talking about it, because... To me, it still, sounds
1: like no fun and games. Well,
2: <laughs> but, like, when you think about the story I just told, some people may still be picturing me as, a, I'm 19 years old, I still live with my parents. When I made this decision to leave a job that made me, full disclosure, $70,000 a year to do fucking nothing, it was yeah. an easy job, yeah. and it was, and, yeah, again, I still had a run the business to a degree because I had to pay my own taxes. Whatever, It wasn't hands off completely, but it was fairly easy. Home at three o'clock every day. I worked in Lacey. Some people would take that
1: forever. Yeah. They would never walk away from something like that.
2: But that is literally, I walked away from that with a wife who had no job in sight, like a degree, but no job in sight. And I I have a mortgage and two car payments and business insurance. And I said, fuck it. So like I had that confidence to do it the second time around. And it's the same reason I'm having the confidence to do what's going on right now, which we can touch on at the very end yeah. if you want about what we am doing to my house and yeah. what the future plans are. But like that, it takes confidence to be an entrepreneur, and I hate calling myself an entrepreneur. I know you use that. You way,
1: are though. But I, you're a business owner, but you're an entrepreneur in the fact that you turned away a seventy thousand dollar a year job to say, "Well, fuck it, I can do, I can do better on my own."
2: Yeah, I guess you're right. Because
1: I feel like and I'm gonna like I'm gonna like reference an article that I read. I don't know why I felt the need to tell you that. But I I read an article in uh, Business Week about young millennials who are entrepreneurs. One in 10 millennials uh, were entrepreneurs in like 2006. And now it's less than one in 10. It's less than one in 10 people are going to kickstart their own thing. Whereas in like, um, in 1970, when... When you know things were really heating up and, and technology was just on like the real cusp of of exploding, um, six out of ten people were entrepreneurs or were open to entrepreneurial um, endeavors. And nowadays it's like, well, fuck, you're in trouble because you just went to college and blew all this cash. Uh, you're not gonna take a small business loan like you're you you took your small bit bu- your small business loan investing in your education, and now you think you're gonna come out and find a job. And if you do, God bless you. If you don't, you're fucked.
2: You're not gonna, like you said, take another business right to start a real business. Exactly. And that's a that's a wild statistic, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I know we briefly talked about that the other day, and it's al- it's almost not believable. But it's crazy. It's crazy, but and that's again, it takes. Like I, I'm not I'm not trying to like pat myself in the back because believe me, I still have like an obscene like again talking about the future in a little while, I still have a very long way to go. Uh, you're
1: just you're just pouring the foundation for uh, something that you feel like you're going to build into. A skyscraper someday. you
2: just a metaphor man. I'm right? a
1: metaphor man. I know oh, words, you know?
2: You do know words. Um, yeah, I, I just, I can't say it enough, and it's so cliche. It's so Gary Vee. It's so, uh, I don't know, I'm going to say Jesse Isler. I'm not sure if anyone's going to know who
1: It's so Grant has. Cardone. Grant Cardone, exactly. It's, it's all it these, people yeah. who
2: scream at you on Instagram, and I say scream in a great way because I'm a fan of Gary V's, Yeah, but.
1: they motivate. It, just the loudly. whole. Loudly.
2: Exactly. <laughs> it's just such a cliche of that, though, the whole, you can't be afraid to take chances, but it's. Fucking the truth. Yeah. You cannot be afraid. Like, I could have been fucked. I, I knew there... I always... And I know I won't be homeless, but I was well aware there was a chance I could have foreclosed in my house after I had only owned it for four months. Sure. Like, I, I took a chance, and luckily, again, luckily, things worked out.
1: And it's working but, out for you.
2: But it's not all luck. You know, you gotta make your own luck. Oh, I think well, that's another cliche thing to say. That's I, like... I, if you don't work hard, shit's not gonna come. Unless people... you're already... You come from a rich family.
1: Mm, Right. You have some kind of background where it's like, okay, little Johnny, here you go. This is this and this and this and this. And you get handed everything your whole life. But uh, that's not what this podcast is about uh, (laughs) because none of us motherfuckers are about that at all. (laughs) Uh, But um, it's like I was thinking about it today because when I work with you, I do labor. And the world I came from before this, I did not. So it's like you're looking for opportunities to go into what you want to do. You want to do this. You want to be an entrepreneur. You want to build things. You want to grow your business. You want to grow yourself, not only as a business, but as a brand. Someday, I'm sure you will want to grow yourself as a brand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that takes a long time to get from, you know, Sal Nicosia, the the podcast recorder, host, to brand. Like, you have to, like, really have something you're selling to be a brand. Selling to people Sure. that well, you're and, providing a service to people to be And whether that
2: service is uh, physical or it's just what you're right. doing right now. But so you, could, you could get there. It
1: takes sure. a long time to get to that point. And it's like opportunities are not going to just appear. You're And, and you just take advantage of the opportunities because you're going to have to work to make your own opportunities and then take advantage of them. Of so, like, even if it's a shit show situation where you're not happy, like what you were talking about before, you, that was the opportunity that you had you made the opportunity to take the side work you had to turn into a business, and you did, and that's why, you know, you know, a door was closed and a window was opened, and there it was, and you fucking went, and and that's it. Yeah, of course. That's All right, the, that's the best way to do it. So we have you clocked at um, f- over fifty minutes without a break. So you are the longest segment we've ever had on Banana Land. Come on. Congratulations, Mr. Nervous. Uh, so we're gonna take a break. Max owns his own business now. And we're going to go from there. I cut out a lot of the story. When we come back. Hey, uh, this is Q the Banter. And uh, we're talking about a uh, movie. You wake up tomorrow. You log on Twitter. It's retweeted. Who retweeted it? I don't know. Maybe it was Laura Linney. What's it say? Seen it's back. Did Laura Linney tweet about Cena coming back? No. Cue the Banter. A podcast about movies and television. From Ilto 8 Productions. Yeah, so the name of the show actually is Banana because I learned how to like stick a whole banana in my mouth. Ma- oh, wow, we're back from our break. Max had some very important um phone calls to take care of. Uh, he's a real business guy, all right? Busy. So he's, he's a busy guy. He's got his employees lined up for tomorrow. He's ready to, ready to rip things out and fill dumpsters up and, you know, really get cracking. So, again, Max, the business owner, construction, he's into it, he does it, he is it. He works a million hours a day. He He's fucking everywhere.
2: You make it sound like I'm miserable.
1: Um, are you miserable? Yeah, Tell people degree. you're miserable or you're not miserable. To a degree. Okay. But you're miserable for the cost of what it is now yeah. to but, reap the benefit in the future.
2: Yes. Miserable for the cost of the freedom and the co- and the, the bigger goal. The so,
1: that's some real fucking Gary Vee would be proud, dude. I hope so. Yeah. Um... So like, how do you, how do you like identify your entrepreneurship though? Cause we've talked a lot about like your journey, but like your, your goals in life, your path in life, your entrepreneurship, you talk a lot about sweat equity to me and how invest and that to me is like a big investing term and I love the stonky boys, but um, explain to me like how sweat equity transfers into monetization, turns into passive income, turns into investment in the future.
2: So it's all related, um, but you just did a great, uh, you know, great way of like dissecting it. So it starts with, in the beginning, going back to the stories from the first segment of five years ago. I wasn't making that much money, but I was working. Like I, the, the work hasn't changed. I still work hard, right. but things change a little bit. You know, you have helpers. You have you learn the better way to do it. Whatever. But this,
1: like this, today, when we were ripping all the She-Rock out, Max very discreetly disappeared to be on the telephone often, I took, often I took about ten phone calls. And like and like he knows that we know this. But that's what that's what comes with being the person who takes the risk, being the person who's getting the jobs, who's doing all the all the legwork that the helper who shows up for, you know, X amount of dollars an hour doesn't get to see. Exactly. I get to see it, but, but the average person doesn't get to see. it.
2: Exactly, but there's a big difference between the people like me and the people like you who you used to work uh-huh. for, where I'm, I don't even mean like, oh, I'm a better person. Than, no, I'm it. more, I'm also understanding where I'll still fucking swing a hammer Fuck right yeah. next to you. And when the days that you're not there and that I don't have anymore, Exactly. I'm still doing the work myself. And that's
1: part of sweat equity. Exactly. And explain, like, so sweat equity so sweat to equity, you.
2: Sweat equity is a great, I mean, again, that's a pretty, it's obviously most people know what that means, but the best way to describe it is the, the you, your blood, sweat, and tears that go into something where you may not see a return on it right away. It's 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 you building something bigger than yourself.
1: It's an investment in yourself.
2: It's an investment in yourself. It's an Just investment like, in your mental state. Yeah. It's an investment in your actual business. It's an investment in something that you may never see a monetary return in, right. ever. Go
1: ahead. Uh wait, we follow a minute. I, don't know. I thought you had another question. <laughs> <laughs> so you might never see a return on it, but you know that the work you put in, you monetize your own work through sweat equity because you know what you're worth.
2: Exactly. Right. And I think that comes over time though. Because in the beginning,
1: Well, I think all, like not like it's not like all doom and gloom, but like when you start out, you don't think you're worth as much as you're worth and ten years down the road where it's like, Well, fuck, I ain't getting out of bed unless I'm getting paid. And to be quite
2: honest, that's the, that's the truth. Right. When you start, you're not worth that much.
1: No, because you, what experience do you have? Like that's, It's all relative to exactly. what your worth is.
2: Exactly, and I think that, that plays a big part in sweat equity. But sweat equity is great in a business, but it only holds up so long in this business because a lot of what I do, even where I'm making real money, real equity in a company, is actually sweating. So the whole sweat equity thing... Then transforms into the homeowner who's doing some renovations on their home, or the person who is pushing further to be a investor in some sort of real estate or or, or anything along those lines. That's where sweat equity becomes a bigger a bigger. Uh, it
1: you know. becomes a part of the bigger picture. Yes, it but becomes it's a le- smaller part of the bigger picture. Whereas right now, sweat equity is a bigger part of the smaller picture because it's more of what you're doing. Yes, but it's learned.
2: Right. It's learned starting in
1: the smaller picture. Okay, and what is your like? What's your what's your plan here? Like, you're you're doing all this sweat equity. You're putting a lot of work in. You're making money. You're comfortable. You own a home. You have a shed. You have a dog that snores during our podcast. Not my dog. Uh, Not my dog. You have a, a rented foster dog, rented. Raka, who snores during your podcast. Uh, my podcast. Um, yeah. What is my podcast? It's, it's our podcast. Jack, it's, Jack. Yeah. Right. Fuck it. Um. So where does this take you?
2: So, me, Morgan and I want to get into real estate, We want to, and, and that's such a broad term, but to, to simplify it the best I can in less than two minutes, we want to not be slumlords, because that's another big misconception. Who the fuck
1: wants to do that? Well,
2: a lot of people do want to do it, but the average person doesn't understand that when you say you want to be in real estate, they go, oh, so you want to be a slumlord. No. No. Not the same thing. And again, I could
1: go down a crazy It's a lot of work to be a fucking slumlord, too, because you got to chase people for money. And we've come full circle. Thanks, everyone, for listening to banana. No. Um, (laughs) So, you know, not being a slumlord, getting things that are worthwhile, not just as far as putting your sweat equity into it, putting your time into it, but, you know, for other people to get out of, too. Exactly.
2: And that's, back to the sweat equity, that's where it comes down to, like the whole real estate thing and and that's the bigger picture here is to push into the whole owning multiple properties owning what will eventually multi-family homes rentals to to good people not again not not to say you know i'll i'll hold my thoughts on how i really feel about the whole slumlord thing but you know you want good properties there's shitty
1: people who rent And people who – and there's good people who rent. Absolutely. You know? Just
2: when you – the areas where it's easier to be the quote-unquote slumlord, you're going to get more shitty people than good people. Right. And and that's the thing. So that's the biggest misconception with that. But again, just moving forward, like the goal is going to be, you know, multiple properties in the next few years, pushing further into the whole where you're buying multiplexes, anything over four units. So you
1: want to put the hammer down – and pick up the lot of cash and start wheeling and dealing is what I'm hearing
2: I'm tired of the hammer I love it I love this as you know
1: I know that and I love that you're so done with it because a lot of people would get comfortable making you know Money that you make in your own business, or they'd make in their own business, and they'd be like, Okay, well, I could I could just keep doing this. And the complacency sets in. You got the house, you got the shed, you got the car out front, and you run your business, you feel accomplished, and you never get further than that that like mile marker in life where you could take the risk. Again, we're talking about risk. You're taking a ton of fucking risk. Saying to yourself, well, okay, I'm gonna take all this money I made and instead of fucking saving it, and put it in my pocket, and spend it on shit I like. I'm gonna fucking invest in property. But for I think for you, uh, it's it's more than just like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm I'm not gonna be able to spend on shit I like. You do get to spend that on shit you like because you do like real, you like real estate, you like money making money for you while you're sleeping, and for you, it's worth it because you like you you like luxury goods. You like your
2: more than I care to admit. Right.
1: You like your fucking fancy watches and your and your eyeglasses and your fucking Tom Fords and whatever else we got. But
2: that's another millennial problem. Well, I, yeah. That I, I have tattoos and I dress like a shit bag, you know, most days of my life, but then I wear 500 fucking
1: sunglasses. I feel like that's like a, I feel like that stereotype is being broken, though, um, I love that on social media. Dude.
2: I'll pick up the hammer for that anyway.
1: You know guy. who fucking, oh, well now I'm the oh! man. you know who breaks that stereotype is fucking, uh, Post Malone breaks that stereotype because he he's the guy with the fucking face tattoos and the Rosé brand and the, the Rolex got, on his wrist. And
2: he's got more money than any of us. And so the crazy,
1: the crazy. Oh. Yeah, right. The, the rosé, no free ads. He's got to pay, um, especially him. Uh, he's got he's got property, dude. Like, <laughs> post him along if you're listening, dude. Props for the property. Um, he he's not like one of these folks who's gonna make a lot of money and then piss it all away. No. Um, but he knows that
2: he certainly knows how to piss it away, but he's keeping it coming
1: for Right. Sure. But he's he has enough income where he can say, Okay, I just cashed a, a ten million dollar check, I can piss away a yeah, million dollars. Okay. Well, and I he takes nine million, million and he buys a fucking apartment with it or an apartment complex with it. Same thing He I, should be doing that. I don't know we if don't, people... we don't know if
2: he really does that. Right. But he should
1: be. You know who does things like that though is uh I was listening to a clip from Joe Budden's podcast. Uh the yeah, the rapper, rapper. The rapper. Uh he had um I think it was the baby, the rapper. Yeah. And he, he no, it's hard to say out loud. Um, he was explaining to Joe Budden how he manages his money. Even someone who came up from a different, obviously, a, a the baby and, and me are different people. And, you know, Wait, and, you are? Yeah. And he explained, like, when he was a kid, like, he used to trap and he was, well, a kid. When he was a young man, he used to trap and he used to, like, work on the street and, like, whatever he was doing, selling drugs and whatever his background was. He never, like, he never sold sold drugs, and then took all the money and was like, "Fuck, bro, I'm gonna go buy a watch, or I'm gonna go buy a chain, or I'm gonna buy this." And it's crazy to hear that from somebody as young as him, too. And it's and it's like that's a big example, but especially for somebody like you, who's also young, who's like, "Yeah, you know, man, I'm gonna turn like fucking whatever this money is this year, and I'm gonna instead of pissing it away, I'm gonna go take it and put it somewhere else and make more money."
2: You want me to confuse everybody and yourself? Yeah, I can't more? wait. And I think you know this. I, I'm so excited. I fight the urge every day to spend money on stupid
1: shit. Of course, who doesn't? The what internet I mean, exists. The
2: difference is I have
1: the money. Right. Well, I feel like it's harder once you have the money because once you have the money, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna buy this fucking thing, and it's gonna be fine. I got enough money to pay for not it.
2: Not saying that you don't have the money, and not saying that I'm rich, because so I'm far from fucking no, rich. No, but you're... But if I wanted to, I could buy a lot of the shit that I
1: want. Right. You could. You could spend fucking a couple it. grand I on check something.
2: Check inside right now to buy the watch I want. Sure. But I'm not gonna go do that. No,
1: because you got a, you're a responsible business owner, and you and yes. you and instead of looking at the watch you could have today, you look at the investment property you could have tomorrow, exactly. and that's the difference from people who piss money away and end up broke on the street, and people who fucking manage their, their income so that one day they can manage their wealth. Exactly. Right.
2: And that is the that is the clear-cut difference. Yeah. But believe yeah. me, I fight that urge daily. Of
1: course. Bro. Most people do. You get on Instagram, and there's targeted, targeted advertisements ads. for okay. everything that you want.
2: You'll get an ad for a Rolex. I'm sure
1: I will. Just like when I was in college. We used to look at, like, blue we used to say Blue Moon 10 times, and then a, a Blue Moon I just pop them on Instagram. Awesome. It's like saying Bloody Mary, but the internet. No, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right? <laughs> right? Okay, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm. We're gonna have another episode talking about social media, and uh, you're gonna, you're, I'm gonna really rip into it. Can't wait. But all right, so you're gonna, your, your investments. You want to be an investor. You want. Who inspired you to do investments like that?
2: Definitely Morgan. Morgan okay, my wife.
0: Already... So you want to get that quick story real
1: quick? Yeah, Scrooge Closer. Okay. So So where'd you get the idea from?
0: So it was, um, I think I was my first year of my master's degree. It was the summer, and I was working as a camp counselor, making like, I don't fucking know, $12 an hour. And I'm sitting in the car before I go into work, panicking about the fact that I have $70,000 of student loan debt. Oh,
1: yeah. I I resonate with that.
0: Full-blown panic. And I don't know what made me, like it was kind of like, I've never really listened to podcasts before, but I clicked on the Apple Podcast app, and I started searching just investment podcasts. Yeah. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get out of school, make my salary that I'm going to be making, and pay off my student loans in a timely manner that I'm not paying them off when I'm 90. So I found a real estate podcast, and I started listening to it, and I sent it to Max, and I was like, this is what we need to do because... We- you already have the skills to flip houses or to manage and maintain rental properties, so let's fucking do it. So
1: you took advantage of an opportunity that you saw in the future, in that moment where you said, "Okay, well, this is what the fuck we're doing." Yeah. But I love that it was fueled by the anxiety. the anxiety of student loan debt because um, I resonate very strongly with that. I've taken it in sort of a different direction. I don't claim to be a business owner or an entrepreneur in any way, shape, or form. I have a podcast. I have a blog. um, And that's, like, what I'm doing right now. But, like, I feel that, like, investing in the stock market, I feel like wealth is generated through investment. But in my mind, the market is the easiest way. I'm a real, Mac. we me and Max talked about this the other day like, like I'm a real con artist. I would love to con somebody out of 100 grand to invest in the stock market, turn it to 300 grand and give them 50 grand back and told them I lost. Like I that that, that yes, yes. But I think it's I think it's easy for people to think that way because it's like, well, fucking that's capitalism, baby. Money, money, money. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh like it's it's hard to even convince people who do have the money to invest the money. So that the fact that millennial entrepreneurs I think are more risk takers because they're fueled by the debt, by the anxiety separates them from previous generation of previous generations of entrepreneurs who maybe you know, maybe they were risk takers, but maybe, you know, certain things did hold them back. Like the guy, like the guy, the third guy or the second guy who owned Apple, he sold his whole share for like 800 bucks. The guy could be worth like $3 billion today. You know, that's a, that may be a generational viewpoint that is no longer held. Whereas today you and Max believe what you're doing is going to work so you'll invest whatever you have to because you know it's going to work nobody has to tell you oh well yeah that'll be good you already know nobody has to fucking say it to
0: you well nobody tells us that right well everybody's against us
1: well I well, mean, not,
0: maybe not everybody but, but the majority people, especially our parents are are because they're from that generation of you have a 95 9 to 5 you get either your pension or your 401k or your social security check and that's it
1: to me like i identify that as like the civil service mentality where, you know, like my dad, my dad's dad was a cop and he wanted my dad to be a cop. But instead of being a cop, my dad would, went into the union and he worked fucking 25 years in the union and his body shit out on him. And that's what made his mentality change. So it took a lifetime's worth of a beating for him to tell his kid to say to, say to his kid, like, hey, you know, maybe you uh, don't want to go into a labor field because it ain't, it ain't really worth the money. But I feel like a lot of people don't think that way. Where wow, I give my dad credit for something, ain't that something? Um, A lot of people don't. (laughs) Yeah, right. A lot of people don't think that way, and uh, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a a pitfall sometimes.
2: For sure, but it's funny that you say that because it took me five years to realize. Wow, this fucking beats you up.
1: Yeah. I feel it every day, dude. We're carrying trash cans full of fucking sheetrock down to have sweat through my shirt five goddamn times. I talk about my sweat in another episode. I don't know if you've gotten that far in the playlist. But uh, I talk about about how much I sweat when I was in high school, dude. Oh, my God. The teacher... I'll tell the story again. The teacher used to put a towel on the passenger seat in the car because I used to sweat so much.
2: I should have taken a page out of his playbook today because I'll tell
1: you what. Your van's going to smell like dog shit tomorrow.
2: If we, I'm going to do this way, if we had a wet t-shirt contest today, Sal would have won.
1: In the first five minutes. Sal so would have won. You can see my nipples in 30 seconds, a poor homeowner, you know? She was it. I know she was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten
2: way off Yeah, we before. got way off topic. If you're wondering why we're fucking clocking in at an hour and 20
1: right now. Yeah, right? We're going to, this is going to be a two hour podcast, I don't even care. All right. Um, so you're going to invest, you're going to, you're going to do these things, um, what are you gonna do like fucking scuba dive all the time or what dude oh okay so i like that you just transitioned into that i'm a big transition guy
2: <laughs> excellent so yeah i mean that listen if you said to me right now well
1: 10 years yeah. from now where are you going
2: i'm bon gonna Air. be somewhere in the caribbean Bonaire.
1: Bonaire. some island that's i feel like that mentality just is so is refreshing to it's have.
2: definitely refreshing and it's the mentality of i'm not looking to do that and we're not looking to do that on pennies i'm looking to do that and i'm going to have an obscene amount of passive income that pays for my life not where i don't money. have to worry about working love it that's i, I don't i don't want to live like a pet i mean listen you know there there are days today was one of them where when i was waiting for that dumpster to come and it wasn't coming i was going how much are flights right now and what do you think <laughs> i could get from my house remotely without <laughs> finishing it you know, like, I, I'll, I'll fucking, I, I came home yesterday, and I, I walked in the door, and I was so aggravated about what was going on, and I went, what do you think, uh, how, how far do you think 150000 can get us in Mexico? How long? Far. Like, I, I'm, I'm. Pretty like there far. There are days where I'm there, and then there are days where you see the bigger picture, and it's like, well, I'm going to keep working, I'm going to keep hustling, I'm going to keep putting that sweat equity in, because one day, and one day not being when I'm 70, mm-hmm. one day when I'm 40, I'm going to be, you know, an obscene amount of Grant Cardone properties in my life and uh, you know I'm, I'm gonna be uh, uh, 60 feet under the ocean, just uh,
1: living life. I love it. All right, so that's like the entrepreneurial blueprint that you have created for yourself. And the blueprint I've created for myself is going to the refrigerator to get another beer. So uh, we'll be right back. We're gonna take another break. Uh, it's Banana limb. Have you been craving even more delusion? Have you ever asked yourself,
0: what if delusional, but sports? Have you ever purchased a soccer jersey designed after a banana? I have. If you've done all these things, well, your niche is hell and this ad is reaching a very minimal
1: audience. Even if you haven't, why not check out Footy Ado? considering you already made it this far.
0: Our soccer podcast is full of delusions and sometimes even sounds like we know what we're talking about. It's an ill-to-weight podcast that talks about European soccer from an American point of view. We're fans who try to be pundits.
1: We're fandits. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Footy Ado, and listen in wherever you get your podcasts. And pardon our French. Oh my God, so good! All right, welcome back uh, to Banana Land. This isn't an ASMR version of uh, pizza consumption. Uh, We're back. (laughs) We're back with our guest, Max, Uh, the millennial entrepreneur, the business owner, the guy who starts working at eight o'clock and finishes eleven forty-five p.m very clear. Um, <laughs> Max, we've, we've relied pretty heavily on you this episode. I just want to thank you for your service to, uh, to the pod. Um, what? So considering, before I say what, considering that there's less than one in ten people that are fucking rolling the dicey boys on maybe taking that chance on themselves. Maybe there's kids out there in high school. I remember a kid in high school when I subbed at Southern. Crazy! They let me educate people. It's absolutely unbelievable. Um, let's, maybe, let's not call
2: it educate. Maybe
1: babysit. Babysit. The, the kid told me he was like he was he had like this uh, this sweatshirt on. set that had like GTR across like the car, and he was like, you know, man, like, you know, like I don't really want to do this work because I'm really not interested in it. And I was like, you know, man, like, it's cool that you can say that because a lot of people feel like they just have to do shit. And I was like, listen, do the work because you have to right now. And like when you don't have to go to college, don't go. Are you into automotive? Well, yeah. Well, that's and he like he like pointed at a sweatshirt. And I was like, yeah, dude, like I I understand. I was like, I I did I fooled around with with cars. And I was like, why don't you look at like trade school? Why don't you look at like UTI? And he looked at me like the substitute teacher was the first fucking guy to ever tell him he could go to go to a fucking trade school to be a mechanic. That's not me. I'm not that guy who tells you, like, oh, yeah, this is what you should do. I'm not a fucking counselor. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in my own life. I'm making a podcast, eating pizza, drinking beer in a shed. It's the best. Um,
0: but sometimes that's all it takes. That, you could have changed the course of that kid's life by saying that. Right? Because if somebody would have said something like that to me in high school, I would have never gotten fucking college. Right. Like, you
1: know, like, oh, this is what I want to do. Well, fucking go do it. You know? So... But... So to, to, to transfer from that, what advice would you give young folks who have an interest in something that want to, who are, who are coming out of school and now have the responsibility of having to provide for themselves? How would you, what would you, what would you impart to them?
2: In short, the best thing I can say is just do it. Not to quote Nike. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no free ads. Nike, you're gonna have to pay for that one.
2: <laughs> cut the check, Nike.
1: No, well, really. Cut the cut the check. I see what you did. Th- I see. I see what you did there. I see what you did there.
2: So honestly, just just to do it like that. Don't don't think too hard. Th- plan, but don't over plan. Don't overthink it, and just do it. That's literally what I did. And of course, I am a. It's hard to say because it's like you could call me, okay yeah, you're a, su- you're a success. you've been successful in what you've been doing. the endeavors that I have you know dove into I've done well in. But am I really successful? Because if you think about the uh, you know like a standard business plan, you your, your business should be making positive income and equity in, within a year or so, two years, right? That's what most people say they start a business, whether it's a storefront or not, you're making money after the first year. Right. No matter what, whether it's a tech startup coming out of you know, Silicon Valley or it's, you know, a landscaping the rag band business. And you man-ahawk it. Right. You know, you figure your first year is going to be, you know, you may not be super profitable a little bit. here, just enough to survive. So that being said, me being in technically year number nine, if you will, of being a quote unquote entrepreneur... I love that you're writing down Joe shit the ragman,
1: That's going to be the name of the uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, it, it doesn't, you know, am, am I successful? It took a really long time. It took a lot of ups and downs. So it's like, sure, I'm, I'm successful, but in my mind, I'm not really there yet. But to go back to your question, like I didn't really have a plan. Like I didn't have a real, I've never made a business plan. Like I, I probably never will.
1: Yeah, we know because your time management skills are fucking hey, beautiful. <sighs>
2: so, but in all seriousness, like I never had to go to somebody and pitch something. Like I I didn't start as big company. I started a construction company that I'm planning, and then and you're you're listening to the the realist, um, like real time, like transition into a bigger construction company that will eventually turn into a real estate investment firm. And I say that word like that as ridiculous as it sounds, like that's what I want it to be, and I think that's what Morgan wants it to be. That's what our plan is. So I don't have a business plan. Other than, like, and it's so fucking cliche to say this, but my business plan is fuck it. Like, sometimes you have to just not be afraid to do it. You have to have, again, have a plan, but I don't have anything on paper. I right. just know what I want. I know Morgan said this earlier while we weren't recording, but you have to know your why. Right. And my why is, there's a lot of why's, and the why's get deeper for sure. Morgan had said that as well. Not I'm um, you know, not going to steal quotes here. But the more you do it, the more you realize, like, oh, this is why I'm doing this. And then, you know, you get to another level of, oh, this is why I'm fucking doing it. Right. And, you, and you realize, like, that if you can't find that, then maybe you're not...
1: Right, not, maybe you're not meant to do it. Yeah,
2: and I don't want to say not cut Cause, out, because anybody's cut out. Anybody can do it. You well, I have feel to be like, able to put your head down and work hard.
1: I feel like there's people who are who are cut out to do it, and there's people who are not cut out to do it. Just, like... like I don't know, like people who are willing to take that risk and there's people who are more inclined to sit on their haunches and work nine to five. Maybe there's people who are more inclined and have the better skill set. Like I would never ask John, the master's student data scientist, to be like, hey dude, like I would ask him to start his own data science uh, sure. collective or firm or whatever whatever fancy, whatever fancy terms they use. Right. But like... Uh, I wouldn't ask him to be like, yeah, dude, like let's go start a fucking construction company and see, and see the data scientist fucking swing a hammer. But like, (laughs) you know,
2: if the data scientist wants to swing a hammer, then he's welcome.
1: I think he's going to take a field trip with us one day. He asked. So for, for those of you who've been tagging along, John was in our higher education episode and he actually asked one day if it was possible to like do like a, a ride along with, with me and Max. Full circle again. Yeah. (laughs) Almost a cop. Almost a cop. Um, to do a ride along with me and Max to see, like, what the the blue collar lifestyle is like. And it, it to me, it feels nice that people take an interest. Because I don't really think I'm blue collar. I do what I have to do because I don't make any money and I need to make money. Like, that's just how, that's just how fucking life works, you know?
2: I was just going to, to that point, I hate the blue collar thing. I hate the term blue. That is a, it's a boomer thing. Yeah. A blue collar, white collar. <laughs> work is work I was almost I, he, just going to quote Happy Gilmore but I'm not going to oh, do you it should. <laughs> you should you should that's what it. this is about I can't do it what fucking ha- to quote,
1: do it now f- I'll fucking kill you white collar blue collar who gives a shit <laughs> <laughs> altered slightly They're from
2: the great Shooter McGavin Shooter. actually that's a lie it is not Shooter McGavin that's no
1: you really it it is, is, fact. It, it is Happy Gilmore. you really need a lot of fact checking in all your podcast this. when you start yours after all this all so if anything we've gotten out of the podcast is that Max wants to start his own podcast you know uh, he's uh, he's gonna start a podcast called Polls on the Beach. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be unbelievable. Oh, are you intrigued? Oh, you are. Like maybe maybe when it comes out, you listen. Maybe I'll plug him. Maybe I'll maybe I'll give him a free ad. I mean, he's he gives me money every week, so that's the least thing I can do for him.
2: Ooh. Wow, that was an
1: interesting sip. Of- right, <laughs> we're so at you- the we're at the bottom. You need
2: another one? Mm-mm. You might
1: need one more. Mm-hmm. No, not if not if the police have anything to say about it when I drive out of the shed. <laughs> it's all right dude. I know some Okay, right, cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: Great excuse to drop
1: drop. Oh it. my god, we're going to jail. This is the podcast that sends me to jail. I can't So wait.
2: yeah, to, to to round this out in this last section that I feel like it needs to be a little bit longer than eight minutes.
1: Oh we get to eight <laughs> I mean I mean who's looking at the clock, but eight minutes is short.
2: Um yeah. I, I think you need to I think you need to have a plan, but I don't think you need to overplan.
1: We what, what would you say to people who like get to a certain point and like hit a hit a roadblock?
2: Um like. Maybe, well, that, that's so that's like, are there
1: times where you've been like, well, fuck it, dude. Like, this is too much for me. I day. don't see a future. Every day. Right. How, every do you, day. how do you how do you get over it?
2: You just
1: do it. You that, just fucking you stop thinking about the, it. That's
2: the resilience of being an entrepreneur and being a business owner. I, I always say this and I think you brought pre- something to do with pressure up earlier and stress and just yeah. anxiety. I noticed that I've noticed this more as I got into my like young 20s and out of my just like anxiety ridden teens that I thrive really well under pressure. I do my best work under pressure, whatever that may be. Because like, you like, have to. Well, you don't have a choice. But I, I, some people crack under pressure. Yeah. And again, like so, so cliche, all the shit I'm saying. But it's just the truth, that, I, and this is what I found. Right. Some people can't do well under pressure. Some people do great under pressure. And I'm one of those people where you put pressure on, and I'm going to go above and beyond. Right. I'm going to do everything
1: I can And that kind of goes back to what we were saying before about people who are cut out. Personally, exactly. personally, I don't think anybody's cut out to run a business. I think it takes a certain kind of person, a special kind of person. Um, resilient.
2: A resilient type yeah, of person. Who
1: can have the mental state to say, well, to wake up every morning and go, up, well, yep, yeah, you know, man, maybe this is the last fucking day I do this, and then, you know, go demo, you know, 300 square feet of fucking sheetrock and carry it down two flights of stairs – you know, and then go to bed and wake up and do it again the next day. So it's like, you know, it takes a lot to overcome the mental hurdles, I think, too, when it comes to not only starting your business and be starting your entrepreneurial journey, uh, but to persevere and move into a place where you are having your investment firm and you're doing these things. People see investment firms and they think, ah, oh, yeah, that guy must have been a hedge fund kid where, you know, a guy like Max is going to be like, well, yeah, you know, I worked for 10 years in my own contracting, you know, business and I made this money and this is what I did with it. Like, I didn't just fucking stick my thumb up my ass after I made this much, after I made, you know, 100 grand. I didn't want to sit home and make that much money every year.
2: Built from nothing. Right. Built from a anxiety-ridden... Uh, skateboarder. To, uh, well, sure, I was gonna even go more specific. Twelve year old. Uh, no, twenty five. Twenty five. Twenty five dollar lawn cutting experience. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I, I still, I could, I'll, I could show you the house right now. I could tell you where that first right. experience was, and I'll probably never forget it. And it's so weird because I don't think I've ever really talked about this in detail like this, other than me and you bullshitting like right. in the van. But like right now, I'm, I'm talking about this and thinking about how I, thirty years from now. Whether will still remember. successful or not, I'll still know that first loan right. that I went to
1: go. And I feel when like, I was, you know, seventeen years old. I feel like the big thing, though, too, is like people who are who really have like an interest in it. Even if you do go to school and you have the anxiety, like Morgan said before, of, of paying off seventy thousand dollars in loans. If you go to school and you feel like you're qualified enough to fucking run your own business, you, there's no reason not to, unless you feel like you're really not cut out for it. So I think it's a lot of I think it's a lot of you testing yourself at the beginning to see if it's really something that you're you're able to accomplish.
2: Definitely. And that is Once you
1: get through that process of of like self purge, it's like all right, well let's fucking this is what I know I can do. I think I can do this much more and you gain that confidence a little bit every day. And even though you do have the anxiety and it's like all right, well let me just flip the switch and shut it all off and and fly it up air and you know and then, and this is it, it's over. Um being able to keep going is something that you not only teach yourself, but you learn about yourself too.
2: Absolutely, oh for sure. Because yeah. if you would, ask, if you asked sixteen-year-old me, uh, the, the things I've done and the just even in general, like and I, I know we were gonna maybe talk about travel, but I think we're out of time for that. But like the places I've been, the things I've conquered. I used to be afraid to fly, and right. it's one of my favorite. things Well, to do well, do you like, talk about just, if you would ask younger me, it would have been a you know I would
1: have laughed at you. Well, you talk about traveling, like what what has the entrepreneurial mindset. That you have and the and the opportunities that you've created for yourself, what has that afforded you?
2: It's, well, it certainly stoked my need to travel, and I don't mean that. Why? In a Why do you? Way.
1: I mean uh, that in uh, the
2: like stoking
1: a fire. What uh? What what is it about traveling that like really rustles your jimmies?
2: <laughs> I'm so glad you threw rustles your jimmies. In it's my favorite. Um, I, I just well, Morgan had a lot to do with that. Like I was again like not you know credit or credit to do. I was not I did not travel growing up a lot. Like I did not go on a lot of vacations. And when we started dating years ago, like, she kind of, like, pushed me, and that's what got me to, you know, get over, uh, ultimately, that and a lot of alcohol, get over my fear of flying. But once you realize, like, and again, like, stupidly cliche, but once you realize, like, how much of the world is out there, you're like, wait a minute, there are people who live and die. Where they've gone to a handful of places in their life, and they're happy living where they grew up. Yeah, and I'm like, it's crazy. It's just completely, and I know you'll agree with this because you obviously you're in the midst of possibly planning a trip somewhere, you know, in August, and yep. you were dying to move out of this state if you could. If I could, like, I'm the same way. Like, I, we we don't want to stay here. Ultimately, we have other places we want to go, we want to live, and but then just even more than that, just other places I want to travel, and just there's as soon as you get a taste for it, and there's some people who just don't like it. Some people don't like to travel. Like they don't like
1: going outside of their comfort zone and, and exactly. being in a different environment.
0: And I think
2: that also speaks to the, so to your question, being an entrepreneur and being a business owner allows me to, like we're going through this right now, we're trying to book a trip and despite all the COVID bullshit, Morgan also needs to take off from her job. I don't. I just change right. my schedule around. Right. You,
1: tell make, your, you tell your you tell your customers right. You tell your customers you know well something came up and I'm, I'm oh, not going to no. be able to come home this week or and it. that's it. Or you just don't even like you don't even like Honest. make an excuse. Hey, I'm gonna be gone like, for the week. Yeah, I'm going to be know, out of town for the week. Sal's
2: going to be here. Right. Like, you know something like that. Yeah. And that's that's where yeah. owning a business relying on your workers and your your clientele to be understanding, is a whole different thing you have to build, whereas a normal person just goes, yeah, I'm going to put in, you know, I need my week off in August, and right. sometimes it gets denied, and sometimes it's a fight, and I don't ever have that problem. But I think my lust and love of traveling and seeing different places and doing cool things, definitely, like, I have to thank Morgan for opening that up, but I think the being the, being the entrepreneur, it's like, this, some is never enough. I always want more, and I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm
1: That's the drive that keeps you an entrepreneur, exactly, and not the I, guy I, who just runs a construction company his whole life.
2: Exactly, he's driving. I did. Awesome. I did. I always exactly. I always want more. I always I'm pushing for something better, bigger. I've always been that way. I'm relentless to a to a degree with certain things, so it just it, I think it just kind of goes hand in hand. Um, believe me, I wish that I could tr- be a traveling entrepreneur. I think about that all the time. You could be. I, dude, I would You'll. Love...
1: S- you will be when... Wanna... <laughs>
2: you... Go ahead, go
1: ahead. You will be a traveling entrepreneur at the point where you have a real estate firm and it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm on vacation and I'm closing a deal somewhere else today. My team, my acquisition team is, you know, purchasing this property today and... We're going to go forward with these other 10 things that I want to do. And you could be off flying around in a little spaceship somewhere, fucking ee and all over God's creation. Um, and you will be a traveling entrepreneur because like you said, you know, the drive to do more is always there. So there's never really an end. It's just continuing to be an entrepreneur and just, just leveling up yeah. to, to different levels where, yeah. you know, oh, I'd love to be a traveling entrepreneur. Well, fucking you could be. Right? Of course. If you if you start being the sweat equity entrepreneur and the constructy boy entrepreneur, and then you buy your first like modular or modular duplex or or modular, you know whatever floats your Maybe boat. It's a modular duplex. Maybe it is, and you rent it out, and then you you know you do the next thing, and the next thing, the next thing, and you build up.
2: Exactly, and that's I think the the biggest thing to take out of this podcast outside of me being an idiot who started a business no business plan, honestly, like. Again, going back to the whole advice thing, like if you can find something where you're looking for the bigger picture, like that's the best way to
1: do this. So, so last question, we're gonna wrap it up right now. Uh, is it worth it? Yes or no?
2: Is it worth it? Living the life. That the whole right thing. Now? Is it worth it? Absolutely. Okay. I wouldn't
1: do it any other way. All right. Cool. Max, it's worth it. I'm glad that you gainfully employ me, and then I get to be a uh, uh, an integral part of your. Your path into the future, and I hope that I can, you know, I can see it. It's going to be fucking something else.
2: It's certainly going to be something else. And this maybe, fucking guy, unbelievable. Maybe we'll, uh, I told you, you're going to be the social media manager Yeah. The firm, once the firm takes over.
1: See, he's going to hire me as a social media manager. Bigger picture. Bigger picture un- things un- here. Unlike... All the fucking other people that don't want to hire me as a social media manager, I'm very qualified, I'm sure. Um, Being qualified. So you're – this is the end. This is it. This has been land. This is the third time I've tried to close the show. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and uh, not Facebook. Again, Twitter. not Facebook, yeah. Um, you know what happens with Facebook, dude, is my mom would comment on every picture <laughs> – and, uh, we just don't need that. Um, we have a blog, Bananaland.blog. You can check it out there. Uh, again, Bananaland is a ULTO8 production, a family of productions. Uh, we produce, uh, Do You Do and Cue the Banter, a soccer analysis show, Footy Do, Do, something you'll really want to dig into, and, um, Cue the Banter, movies and television. They just did, a, they just did an episode, um, uh, I mean, obviously it's gonna be a little, we're gonna be a little dated here, but, um... You just did an episode about Batman. Ooh, love that movie. Like, the, the OG Batman. So, uh, definitely give it a listen. Definitely give those guys a follow. Give us a follow on Instagram and all the socials. And uh, we'd love to have you back for uh, the next episode, all right?